Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Book of Daniel, part two. Book of Daniel is where we're at in the series we started last week. We're in part two of that message series. Today's sermon title, if you're note takers and want to jot something down, pre-decide, pre-decide and thrive. Pre-decide and thrive. Last week we started this series on the book of Daniel and we saw how that God didn't want us to compartmentalize our faith. In other words, the sacred and the secular should not be separate. This past week I heard a, a, a testimony of some conversations already happening in the workplace when we, we just make an intentional effort to let those areas blend over into. And if you were here last week, you remember the illustration we used. Sometimes we just need to let that green bean juice get over into our mashed potatoes, right? Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Go back and watch the message last week, and uh, it'll hopefully set you up for what God wants to do in this series. Predecide and thrive. Are there areas in your life right now that you already have made a decision about what you're going to do in the future? I would submit to you that there probably are. Some of those are intentional. Some of those just come about just because of habit. So for instance, we can either predecide to succeed in some area, or we can, by our lack of decision, we're also predeciding to fail. We've heard the statement that says that indecision is a decision, and sometimes when we just say, oh, I'm not going to worry about that, we set ourselves up to fail. Practically, from my own experience, you may have had this understanding too. When you're on a budget and, and things are, you know, you have to, you have this amount set aside or whatever to spend on this thing, then it is not a good idea to go to the grocery store when you're hungry, right? When, when you go to the, especially, and, and not even just grocery store, you know what the worst place in the world to go to on that is Sam's or Costco, right? Because if you're like me, you walk by the sample aisle first, and then you get all the samples, and then you say, I need, I, well, of course I need a dozen of those and, and a case of that and whatever, and you spend way more money than you should have when you don't pre-decide uh, what you're going to do before. Some of you coming into the holiday season, you've already said this to your spouse, this Thanksgiving, I'm going to be healthy and not overeat. I'm going to stay at the same weight that I am now, and uh, if that's you, then God bless Bless you in your naivety, and no, I'm just teasing. But 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 you predecide you, you, those those things, and if you don't predecide, then trust me, you're going to have a third helping of that on, on the day. And it, it's for for us Cowboys fans, it's because we like to to nurse and get into a meat coma, so we don't have to be depressed over them losing or whatever. So, but but we we, we predecide right in those things. I, Black Friday's coming up, right? Some of you have already predecided that you will have that 834 inch TV for your living room because it's only. $69.99 if I'm the first 10 people on the, the, the sidewalk there. I'm predeciding. I'm going to get that deal, right? We predecide all the time. Some of us that may be in a situation right now that you're looking in the next uh, time in your life to, to enter into marriage, can I encourage you with a little bit of a serious moment here? Predecide now not to have divorce as an option in your mind. 
Predecide now to say, hey, when times get tough, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all in. Predecide. That's why like pre-marriage counseling is so important when you walk into different things. When you're looking for a house, right? Predecide what your budget is so you don't get stuck in a spot where you're, you're burdened by this financial um, burden that should not. Predecide what those things are. How are you going to respond to a tense situation that you know will happen this Thanksgiving or Christmas with your family? We all, all have those family members, right? They will be there again this year, and they will say that about you. <laughs> Some of you just had a little bit of PTSD right there. I'm so sorry. Predecide. What, what's going to be your response? You know, we could have fun with that a little bit, and my sarcasm kind of clears. Like, oh, I could, I could think of several responses. Like, hey, they're juicy too. No, pre-decide right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my response based upon what God has for me. That's what happens when we allow the sacred to invade the secular. When we don't compartmentalize. When we say this idea of following Jesus, it has real impact in my life. It changes the way I respond at Thanksgiving dinner. It changes the way I interact with my family. It changes the way I walk into my workplace tomorrow morning. I'm gonna pre-decide. We talked about this last week, that when we look at the series in this book of Daniel, there's a prophetic nature to this book, and it talks about some of the end times, and there are some gloomy, depressing things in there that if we're not, if we're not understanding the truth of it, then we could be like, wah, 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 you know, reading in this book. But when we look at this book of Daniel, we know that Daniel went through incredibly challenging things, that God was still on the throne. And we talked about it last week in this big idea for the series, and I just wanna remind you of it. Number one, the world is firmly in God's hands. Nothing has changed, nothing surprises the Lord, the world is firmly in God's hands. And I and you can be unshakable in that when I place every part of my life in his hands as well. The world's in God's hands and my life can be too. And today we're presented with an opportunity as we look in this, this passage of Daniel, an opportunity to predecide what the outcome would be of our different situations. As a reminder and overview, King Nebuchadnezzar, an evil king of Babylon, has, has laid siege to Jerusalem. He's taken captive several of the, uh, the, the young leaders, the young men, and, and he, he basically took the cream of the crop. And we see through the stories of Daniel and he's, his three friends some different situations that they were brought into. His, his purpose, the king, was to transform them. It was get them to take, from, take them from their culture, put them over here in the Babylonian culture, and change the way they acted. It was a three-year process we read about. He was, he was in it for the long haul. He was playing the long game with transformation in the lives of these, these individuals. Can I submit to you today that as we read through this scripture, that the enemy has not changed its ta his tactics that he still wants us to be taken from a culture, the kingdom of God, and be put in a, in a world that is fallen and dark and not to allow those things to be, be, be intertwined so that he can transform us into something that is not looking like God and the character of God. And that's why it's important for us to look at these, these situations like in the book of Daniel and say, Holy Spirit, speak to us. What truth have you talked to, to your people about then that also translates to me now? When we read God's word, there is one response that we should all say in, in coming into God's word is, God, 
Speak to me, let your word go to places in my heart and life that, that only it can and change me. And if we come to God's word with that posture, boy, his kingdom does advance. Daniel chapter one, verse eight is where we're at today. And the very first phrase is what gives us the heart behind this message today. Verse eight, it says, but Daniel was determined. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat those unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. He said, this is Daniel saying to them, please test us. Well, that's a pretty bold prayer, right? Please test me. I don't know if I've ever prayed that prayer before in my life. God, just put me to the test. It's happened, but it hasn't been my prayer. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. Verse 17 is interesting, and you should highlight it and just, if we had time, we'd unpack this. It's incredibly powerful. It says, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. Side note for you today, if you're wondering why God has put you in the situation that he has and you're having that, oh God, I can't survive, can I just be an encouragement to you? God has equipped you uniquely for the position that you are in. He has given you ability, aptitude, capacity, and skills for the place where you are at for you to succeed in that position. Determine in your heart to have that confidence just like Daniel did. Verse 18. So when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Can I tell you today, church, the truth of God's word that he allowed Daniel to walk through is a truth that we can apply in our, in our lives if we are determined. 
if we, as some versions of scripture say about Daniel chapter one, verse eight, that, that we resolve in our heart, that we would purpose in our heart, the modern English version says, the New American Standard says that he made up his mind. Today, I wanna challenge you with a simple thought that is a truth of scripture. In order for Daniel to thrive in this Babylonian culture is the same principle that we have. We must predecide to filter all of our decisions through the word of God and say, God, help me to right now, before I get into this situation, know how that you want me to respond when the situation comes. I believe that as Daniel and these three friends were being brought up in the faith, maybe their parents knew more than they let on, but possibly and more than likely, probably not. They just knew that there was a foundation on which that they needed to be built so that that coupled with the, the, the giftings that God had given to them, they would be ready to stand in the, in the fiery furnace. They would be ready to stand when thrown in the lion's den. But in the absence of that predetermination, I promise you the story would have been different. Because I see that happen in my life. I see that has ha ha happened in our lives sometimes. When we, when we just kind of walk through life and are, are confronted with trials and temptations and different situations that we haven't thought through, it becomes really challenging for us to stand if we haven't already determined how we will respond in those situations. We're in a spiritual battle and the enemy knows that, that a surprise attack is really sometimes more effective than saying, than telegraphing where you're gonna go. For us, in response to the attacks of the enemy, it would do us well to say, God, I know those trials are gonna come. Scripture says that when we, when we endure those trials, consider it all joy, that we know that that's a process that God is taking us through, that God would help us to predetermine in our hearts how we would stand. It's interesting in that verse 17, I pointed out that God had already predecided what they would need. And that implication for me, it says this, that there's a truth I wrote down. It says, when you understand that you have been given God prescribes talents for his purposes, your impact and influence will be exponentially more than you can imagine. I predecide, I predetermine that God, because of the giftings that you've given me, here's some trials that I know are going to happen. Here's some, 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 stresses and some tests I know are going to be there. I'm going to predecide. Youth ministry, one of the easiest ways for us to describe that, my wife and I are youth pastors for many years, and as it relates to, to teenagers and young adults in dating environments, right? How am I, how am I no, the, the world's stacked against me, and there's so many pressures, and it's just blah, blah, blah. How am I going to be, remain uh, living a sexually pure life? How can I do that in this world? Well, you predecide. You, you understand and have the conversation with those people. There's, here's some barriers and here's some guardrails that we're gonna put up so that, so that when we get in a situation, number one, we don't allow ourselves to get in a situation that, that the temptation will be so great, but we predecide already. It's a conversation with us. Moms and dads, have the conversations now. Predecide. Make it a determination that you would say. We talked earlier about even in our giving. We would predecide. There was a, a stage in our lives when our kids are younger that it wasn't really a choice. The jars became a discipline for them, but first the jar was a, no, you will. But we predecided. We, we understood that we were going to serve in those areas. When we predecide, we set ourselves up to succeed. If you're taking notes today, I wanna to give you three points, three ideas on how possibly your predetermination, your resolving in your heart today can set you up for success 
in this Babylonian culture that we find ourselves in. Number one, predeciding helps you make fewer decisions. How many of you get decision fatigue? Anybody have decision fatigue? Yeah, I understand. You know what's interesting is many of us that would say, yes, that's all. It, it, it serves to reason that the higher in influence or leadership you go, that this is really a, a burden. And, and it's something that we have to be aware of. That's why you see so many successful people in business realm. Like you, you've heard this, you know, Steve Jobs, Apple, right? He wore the same thing every day, right? So he didn't have that decision. He, was, he, he, he removed some of the decisions so that he would not have this decision fatigue and be able to make better decisions over here. We've, we've had situations, friends in our lives that do the same thing. And there's beauty in that. But when we pre-decide, then we don't have to decide, right? We've already done it. We've already, we already know when this situation comes up, this is what we're going to do. One study shows us that, that in an average life, you make 35,000 decisions in one day. I, if you do 35,000 of anything, you're going to be tired of it, right? Some of you have the Apple Watches. You're like, how many steps you get today? Can you imagine 35,000? I don't even know what average is. 35, whatever it is, it's, it sounds like 35,000 decisions in a day. Well, am I gonna wake up on time? Am I gonna hit the snooze button? What kind of socks should I wear today? What clothes should I wear today? How am I gonna, what am I gonna do for breakfast? Am I gonna do two cups of coffee or one? Like that's a decision, right? It's three cups of coffee. So what, what are the decisions that you have? Decision fatigue is very real. Our family understands this. Uh, for me, one of my decision fatigue moments is on Sundays. Sundays are are. are how do I say this? They're, they're tiring. Like when I go home from church after lunch and stuff, I mean, it's just like, you know, whatever, because it's, it's, a, it's a long day. And that's good. it's a good long day, but it's tiring. And so one, some of the, the points of tension in our family has always been, especially in this position here, is where are we going to eat for lunch after church? How do you understand? There's no scientific evidence behind this, but this is the number one fight in every Christian family is where you're going to eat lunch on church. After. Yeah, I see your heads nodding or whatever. Right now, you're already texting your wife and hit, you've already fought over it already this morning because of that. I'm here to tell you, pre-decide, just make it. We had to do this in our pastoral staff meeting because our pastors got antsy on Mondays when we go to lunch with each other. Who's going to decide for lunch? We just scheduled it out, right? This week is this person this week and we just pre-decided. It removed the decision. If if not, we have decision fatigue. And there's a truth in this that says, as the volume of our decisions increase, the quality of our decisions decrease. When you make more, you make poor. <laughs> that, when you, it's just, it's, it's really, it's really a truth. You know this. Why is this, this so, so clear? Well, you, you think of it this way. If you're a leader in a, a business or whatever, you can make decisions all day long that are, that are God honoring and are, are you being light in your space and they're good, wise decisions. Just like Daniel, when, when the Bible says that God gave him this aptitude for wisdom, there was decision making. You can make decisions all day long that are great and awesome. And then at 11 o'clock at night, when that ice cream is calling at you from the freezer, you're going to make a bad decision, right? Because you've made too many decisions already today. And you need to, first of all, you need to pre-decide to go to bed earlier so you don't have to make that decision. But our volume of decisions impacts the quality of our decisions. You know what's interesting to me is when I see in our, our physical lives, we are more apt to do that than our spiritual lives. Let me give you an example You've probably seen posts of people, and we brag about it. We think it's awesome when we do meal prep, 
right? We'll put all the little Tupperware type thing dishes out on the table and we'll put a third of a chicken breast in each one and we'll and, and green and, and we'll, it's, it's awesome. I'm gonna prepare what I'm gonna eat every day. And I, I, I'm not faulting that at all. I probably should do better at that and, and prepare in that. And yet in our spiritual diet, we just kind of wing it. What would it be like for us to predecide that, you know what, this week, I'm going to, to, to feed my spiritual man and, and allow that to grow with the same level of preparedness that I do with my physical. Predecide. How am I going to grow as a husband or a father and, and be more spiritually mature? Well, you better predecide that you want to be that first, and then predecide that tomorrow morning that the most important thing that you will do is get up and say, God, speak to me in your word. And you do that again the next day and the next day, and you predecide. I will succeed in this area. I am determined in my heart. The volume of our decision increase, the quality goes down. So when we predecide, we can make fewer. Number two, it makes, helps you make better decisions. Disciplines like Bible reading, prayer, being involved in intentional discipleship like our small groups, those are intentional decisions that we make or we make to, to remove ourselves from them and we say, well, I'm going to be involved in leadership development here for my vocation, but I'm not necessarily going to be as intentional for, for my discipleship of who I am in Jesus. Can I tell you that you are setting yourself up to fail in this lane over here if we don't make a determination and a decision to grow in those areas as well? Decide today, pre-decide that the next few months and, and as we come into the end of the year, we'll all make New Year's resolutions and all that, but don't wait. Pre-decide today that this next week I'm gonna spend three times, if you don't spend any time now, so I'm gonna do three times reading my Bible. And then the next week I'm gonna do five. And then it becomes a habit and you just pre-decide and you make better decisions. I don't know about you, but there are these moments when I am not doing well in that, when I have doubts and regrets and, oh, I should have, I should have done that differently. And I, there's a temptation or a, or a test that comes up or an, an email that'll come across or a person, a relational thing, that, and I'll not respond correctly. And I'm really like, ah, oh, I missed it again. I just, I need to be more like Jesus, right? And it's because I didn't pre-decide that when I get those things, this is what I'm going to do. And, and, and this is how I'm going to respond. And it could be that you're going to wait. A little practical wisdom for you. You don't always have to reply quickly and hit send. Some of the best discipleship moments in my life are when I hit delete, 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 don't send that, delete, delete. We predecide. I'm not going to respond quickly. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God. I'm going to make better decisions in those spaces. Phrase I used to have in my office, I love this when it, as it relates to uh, we're either going to have the disciplines in that space or regrets is this. You have the choice of having one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. When you predecide how you're going to respond to something, you're choosing the burden of discipline over the burden of regret. And Daniel in that situation had a determination in his heart, says, I'm going to live my life pleasing to God so that I won't have the regret. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, commit your actions to the Lord. Predecide and your plans will succeed. Number three, when we predecide, it helps you determine victory and not regret another loss. 
When we determine in our hearts, like Daniel did, God has already given you the giftings, but he will bring about the the victory. God's pre-decision and preparedness for you, coupled with yours, it brings victory into those spaces. James Clear, in in one of his books, he says this, every decision you make is a vote towards who you will become. Pre-decide today that you're gonna live your life according to what God has. And I I just know there's practical things involved here that are different for each and every one of us. There's some illustrations that I haven't even written down that I'm I'm shying away from them because I have pre-decided that I don't wanna give you an out, right? Because I know the Holy Spirit can speak to places in your life that you know the areas that you need to do better at, at determining in your heart and have this resolute spirit that I will not be angry with my spouse when they do this, or I will stick to the budget, and I'm going into examples there, right? So, Holy Spirit, speak to you. Even if you failed over and over, today's a new day. And the beauty of the gospel is that the Lord, God has, has predecided the opportunity that he has given to each and every one of us to every day, if it needs to be every day, to make a decision to say, man, I, I failed yesterday, I'm gonna do better next day. To, to every day wake up and say, God, I'm sorry for that. Thank you for forgiveness, let's do better over here. Every, and the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus he looks at us, my goodness, he, he, when, when he was crucified on the cross, he, he prayed a prayer that said, it is finished. And it wasn't just the moment it is finished. He was looking and he prayed this prayer that said, for all those who are far off. In fact, he was looking to us at 2023 and he said, the regret that you've walked into the room this morning because of those decisions that you've kind of botched, right? And you've let the enemy win in those. He's looking at that moment and saying, I've, I've given grace for that and I'm offering forgiveness for that. And I'm giving you a way to make it better tomorrow. And then the next day to make it better, to become more and more like like me. And I want you to live in the fullness that I've given to you in that. And that happens when every little decision we make reflects more and more of the glory of God. Regret's really debilitating. But victory has a tendency to compound itself. Those little victories, they may be really small. And you think, how in the world will this ever impact my relationship with the Lord and and my impact in the community? It's because God allows those little decisions to then become bigger and bigger. And before long, you're in the lion's den and you're not even afraid. You're like, I know because I pre-decided on all these steps in the, the beginning to be prepared for these types of situations. This compounding thing is something C.S. Lewis talks about in his book, Mere Christianity. It's an incredible quote. It's a little bit lengthy. Let me just help you walk through it. It says this, good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions that you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which A few months later, you may be able to go on to victories that you never dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or a railway line or bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise 
impossible. I'm here to tell you today that when you make those predecisions, you determine victory and not regret another loss. I want to just leave you with some application today, and it's actually just one statement. If you're a note taker, I just encourage you, maybe type it into your phone, write it down, or whatever. But this phrase is something that I'm just believing that even this past week that God kind of let me wrestle with to give to you. And there's a phrase that I want us all to discuss and see how that we can be more like Jesus in answering this. There's two blanks in this phrase that I would, you'll have to put whatever it is in your life in, and that's this. When faced with the situation, the person, the event, I have predecided to, when faced with that comment that I know is gonna come from that, that angry whatever employee, boss, family, spouse, whatever, I have predecided to this. When faced with that temptation, I've predecided to this. Can I tell you the beauty of community is so that when we make these decisions to, to fill in those blanks in our lives, that we have men and women in our lives that we can bounce those things off of. If I have a, something that the staff and I say, Pastor Josh, I need you to, I, I, look at my list that I put here. You know, here's what I'm, whatever. What does that say to you? Is it anything there feel, you know, off or whatever? And he can say, well, Pastor John, you said when faced with um, Pastor Tom doing this, you've predecided to throat punch him. That's not, <laughs> that's probably not God honoring, so you should probably miss whatever. Trust me, Tom Black would never do anything that would require that, right? So, uh, but, but you understand the beauty of community is that we, we can sometimes be so, so um, I'm, I've, I'll tell you what, I've predecided. I'm straight about what I'm going to do, you know, and you get this kind of, oh yeah, game on. It's interesting when Daniel was approached with this type of situation, did you hear what he said to the, the, the chief of staff? He asked him, he said, if it pleases you, would you please test us? Isn't it interesting, even in an enemy type situation, the kindness and the, the courtesy and the, the gentleness with, it was, there was just a strength that he said, no, I'm, Please test us in this. It's going to be okay. And I'm just, just crazy enough to believe that the same Holy Spirit that, that guided these, these boys in Babylon then can guide us now when we decide to stand on God's word and change the way we respond to situations. I know the time. Let me wrap up today. The team's going to come help me close. I want to close today with a story that uh, is, is not my story, but it's just it's pretty ex exciting and powerful. Forgive me, my throat. Second service, I always drag at the end. There's a story that I've used several times that's a powerful example of decision. The author writes this. While waiting to pick up a friend at an airport in Portland, I had one of those life-changing experiences that you hear other people talk about. It's the kind that sneaks up on you unexpectedly, and this one occurred a mere two feet away from me. Straining to locate my friend among the passengers coming off of the jetway, I noticed a man coming towards me carrying two light bags. He stopped right next to me to greet his family. And first, he motioned to his youngest son, maybe, maybe six years old, as he laid down his bags, they gave each other a long, loving hug. And as they separated enough to look in each other's face, I heard this father say, it is so good to see you, son. 
I missed you so much. His son smiled somewhat shyly and dodged his eyes and replied softly, me too, dad. The man stood up, gazed in the eyes of his oldest son, who was maybe nine or 10, and while cupping his son's face in his hands, he said, wow, you're already quite the young man. I love you so much. And they too hugged a most loving, tender, strong, manly hug. While this was happening, a baby girl who was maybe one or one and a half was was squirming excitedly in her mother's arms, never once taking her little eyes off of the wonderful sight of her returning father. And the man said, hi, baby girl. As he gently took the child from her mother, he quickly kissed her all over her face and then held her close to his chest while rocking her from side to side. The little girl instantly relaxed, simply laid her head on his shoulder, motionless in pure contentment. After several moments, he handed his daughter to his oldest son and declared, I've saved the best for last, and proceeded to give his wife the longest, most passionate kiss I ever remember seeing. He gazed into her eyes for several seconds and they silently and then silently mouthed, I love you so much. They stared at each other's eyes, beaming big smiles at one another while holding both hands. And for an instant, they reminded me of newlyweds. And, but I knew by their age and the age of the kids, this probably wasn't the case. And so I was puzzled about it for a moment, then realized how awkward and totally engrossed I was in, in this display of unconditional love, not merely an arm's length away from me. I felt very uncomfortable suddenly, as if I was invading some personal space, space and something so sacred. And then I was amazed to hear my own voice nervously ask, wow, how long have you two been married? Have you ever said something that you wish you could get back and you're like, oh, that was out loud, right? How long have you two been married? Well, I've been together 14 years total, married 12 of those, he replied, without breaking his gaze from his lovely wife's face. He gets in even further, keeps digging. He says, well, then how long have you been away? The man finally turned and looked at me, still beaming his joyous smile. And he said, two whole days. Two days? I was stunned by the intensity of this greeting. I assumed that I had assumed that he'd be gone for at least several weeks, and if not months, I, and I knew my expression, it betrayed me. I said almost offhandedly now, it's like, I'm in. I'm gonna have this conversation. And hoping to end my intrusion with, with a semblance of grace and to get back to what I was there for, I just blurted out, wow, I hope my marriage is still that passionate after 12 years. And the man suddenly stopped smiling. He looked me straight into the eyes. And with a forcefulness that burned right into my soul, he told me something that left me a different person. He told me, don't hope, friend, decide. 
And he flashed me his wonderful smile again, shook my hand, said, God bless. Church, can I tell you that maybe you're hearing a story like Daniel or for the first time, or maybe you could quote it better than anybody in the room, and you know the story here, but it's really had a hard time getting down here. The Holy Spirit just is, is shouting to you today. Don't hope. Decide. Husband, wife, dad, mom, young adult in this room, stop having the regret of failing over and over again. Predecide today to put a decision in your life tomorrow that would help you succeed in the trial that will come. If you do not do that, you are deciding already that you're just going to keep failing. Well, we can have hope, and I believe that there is hope in Jesus, and he gives us the strength to succeed in those areas, but that is coupled with our decision to say, upon the strength that he has given me, I have decided to stand. I have made a determination in my life to build my family, to build my life, to build my heart for the world on the hope that is in Jesus, and on that foundation, I will stand. I don't know what the trial's going to be tomorrow. I don't know if if it's a lion's den or a fiery furnace that awaits me or just a crazy dinner at Thanksgiving, right? But I have predecided to be a reflection of God's grace into my family and into the community, into to the areas that God has placed me. And I promise you, church, that when we make that decision and determination now in these moments of calm, it makes the moments of chaos more manageable. We can survive in this idea of Babylon when we predecide to, to, to make the word of God, to make the spirit of God active in our lives, to make that decision now so that we can thrive. Sometimes we just wanna hear the story of the lion's den in the fiery furnace and we want the, the shout of that but we're not willing to go through the pain of discipline. God, help us today to understand that our, our, our decisions and how we handle this truth, God, it sets us up for victory or failure. We, we understand it. Bow your heads with me today all over this room. God, I pray that your heart through your word would go to places in our hearts and lives that my words and thoughts can't. God, there's been such a, such an anointing on the preparation of this that, that God, I feel just woefully, um, woefully inadequate to, de to declare the, the power of what you're trying to get us to understand. So Holy Spirit, you do what you do. Challenge us today. Help us. Help us to determine in our hearts to make our families, our job places, our communities, our schools those, those, moment, those, those, uh, those situations where you would have victory because we determined to stand in those places. And thank you for it. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just keep those just so we don't have distractions. The biggest decision that you can ever make in your life is what will you do with Jesus? The Bible says that we all come to the place where we have this understanding. The Spirit draws our hearts to this this understanding that our life is either in good relationship with the Lord or it's not. 
And those of you in the room that have asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, then, then, then that forgiveness and that, that sureness is there. But if you're here today and you've never begun that relationship with the Lord, the Bible says that, that we can, by confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that he died for us and that he paid for our forgiveness, we can, we can start afresh and start anew and we can decide to, to make this day the day. I would love to pray together with you if that's you in the room and you'd say you've never asked Jesus into your heart, but today you, you know that the Lord is drawing you to that position of repentance and it's basically saying, God, sorry for what I've done, the sin in my life that, that keeps me from you. I accept your forgiveness that you purchased for me through your son, Jesus. I confess my sins and I wanna live for you from this day forward. If that's you and you say, I wanna, I wanna pray that prayer, Pastor John, with you, would you do me the honor of just letting me recognize you by lifting your hand where you're at and say, Pastor John, please include me in that prayer and then we're gonna pray here in just a minute. Are you here today? Just raise your hand right where you're at and I'd love to recognize you. Give it just a few minutes. Thank you so much. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? If you're joining with us online, there's a way for you to connect as well with the campus pastor and they'd love to pray together with you and give you some next steps as well. Church, all over this room, would you repeat after me and those that raised their hand, this, this one that's raised their hand and if you didn't and you should have, just make this your prayer. All of us are gonna pray this prayer and make this the prayer of your heart. Repeat after me, say, dear Jesus, Everyone in the room, loud, say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I accept that you died on the cross for me to purchase my forgiveness. Come into my life. Make me new. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Church, the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when one comes to, to know him. So can you do that as well? I know the time, but can I just encourage you with a little bit of this to say, those that prayed that prayer for the first time today, that is everything the reason why we do what we do. Nothing else matters that people would come to know Jesus and that we then would be able to, to grow in that faith to be instruments of more of those types of decisions, right? That's why we are here. That's why it's important for us to decide so that when we are in those situations, we can make the decision to say, you know what? I'm gonna tell that person about Jesus. I'm not gonna have the regret of walking away from that conversation like I did last week. That's why the predecision is so important because there are people that need to know God is a loving father that forgives him like so many of you in this room do. Amen. I'm so grateful for that. Stand with me all over this room. And as you stand, I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come and make their way to the front and their spaces and the front and the back. As we do every week, we give an opportunity for you to, to pray together with each other. Why? Because the Bible instructs us to do that. Bible says that if anyone's sick or anybody has a need to come and pray and let the elders, those that are, that are mature in their faith, to pray for them and the effectual, fervent prayer, the, the passionate prayer, it's effective and it can, can, can touch the very throne of God. 
And so we, we just follow through that. And our prayer team, we're moving in the room. They're going to get in their places. We're going to have some up at the front and some at the back. Those of you that asked Jesus to come into your heart today, I would just encourage you to take that next step and, and come and tell somebody. Maybe you've come with somebody and you can say, hey, would you walk down and, and talk with Pastor Josh or somebody, one of the other prayer teams and say, hey, let's just pray that prayer and just and give you some next steps. In fact, one of the great opportunities that we have here at Calvary Church is a class. It's the first three Wednesdays of every, uh, first three Sundays, excuse me, of every month, and that's called our first steps. And if you've just recently asked Jesus to come into your heart, there's a way for you to connect and, and for us to kind of help you what those, those steps may look like. And you can find information there on the website. We'd encourage you to do just that. Pastor Scott leads that class. It's really, it's a great first step into that space. And we're excited to see what God is doing. The decisions that you face tomorrow, what are you going to do about them? Predecide. Predecide. God, I will honor your word in this decision. And I'm excited to hear some testimonies about what God's doing as we do that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you in your coming and going. And may you continue to be a reflection of his grace and his, his power and strength in your community and in the families and all over the triad in the spaces that you have influence as we, as we choose in our hearts to stand for him in this culture. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday at prayer or in several of our Bible study classes. We'd love to pray together with you if that's you as well. God bless you.